You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to a special episode of Inside the Forest. Uh, not usually one to have guests on here. I don't like talking to myself all the time, though. So I decided to have someone who knows ball way better than I do. Um, Isaac Trotter, who is a 24-7 sports national college basketball writer. Isaac, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So I always love, you know, the sort of ethos, sort of, you know, what the credentials are. You know, how'd you get here? Yeah, so I went to a journalism school at Illinois. So I got graduated from Illinois in 2019. Then I went and did like what I think every sports reporter needs to do, right? They I went and covered yeah. high school football and basketball for Ooh. 18 months up in Minnesota. <laughs> did that grind and but college basketball has always been my thing and I got a job at 24/7 a couple of years ago and kind of worked my way up, but you know, I when I got hired at 24/7, they were looking to help their, you know, kind of expand their basketball product and I was like I was all about that life. Like I, I used to coach a little bit in high school. I like, I just, basketball is my favorite sport. Like I just watch it all the time and it just worked out where it's, it's, they, this is the job that they've kind of assigned me later. And I, I took over this job like about uh, nine months ago and it's just been, it's been great. It's all basketball all the time. And, you know, right now it's like the perfect time because, you know, in the off season, the excitement around like roster construction and the portal right. is at an all time high. And then the season comes and then the the coaching <laughs> carousel and then the portal again, it's like college basketball really genuinely feels like a 10 month sport out of the year now. And before you couldn't say that. So my, my life is busy, but I love it. Hey, sometimes you got to do what you love. And sometimes that tires you out to no end. <laughs> Preaching kind of, to the you know, kicking. <laughs> oh God. Kicking things to the ACC, you know, it it's felt like the ACC has very much not gotten respect. I don't want to throw any other conferences under the bus here, Mountain West, Big 12, you know, whoever you want to do. But it's felt like, the you know, the ACC hasn't gotten a ton of respect, you know, media-wise. What do you think has contributed? Is it, you know, players? Is it, you know, missing on coaching hires? Is it, you know, just not performing in non-conference, a combination? I mean, I think people are like, people are like sheep, right? Like, you see, like, a, a take. <laughs> And it's really easy to jump on board with that take and just like, hey, I'm going to take that take and it's now going to be mine. And so I think we see that a lot in college basketball where it's like, hey, we see a couple people that I might respect to think that the ACC stinks. So I'm just going to just fully agree with that. And so like how I've looked at the ACC this year is like, I understand it. Like I understand the people that are down on the league, like watching Louisville is not a fun experience and watching Georgia Tech 
can be a little bit iffy when they're not playing some of the best teams. You know, Notre Dame has done, I think Michael Shrewsbury has done a really good job making that group, you know, five and 11 in the league. Like that's, that's impressive, but you know, Miami and, and, you know, another team like, you know, Miami is a team like everybody thought would be an elite eight team. Like they're disappointing this year. So I understand that from like the perspective of looking at the bottom of the league and being a little bit frustrated by it. But when you look at the top of the league and maybe like the top five teams, they're as good as I think any other top five teams in any other conference. Like right. I think North Carolina and Duke and Wake and Clemson and Virginia, like those are a top five that could really be a force to be reckoned with. And I'd put them pound for pound with everybody. So I understand like the people who dump on the ACC for the bottom of the league, but I I'd think that the top of the league is just as good or better. And I, I genuinely keep telling this, like, I think that four teams are going to be in the, in the second weekend. I genuinely believe that out of the ACC and at least three, none of them would surprise me if there's four though. I would like to say before this, I did not feed Isaac any of these answers. This is all, this is all for him. Uh, Isaac has, I I think have seen him be a very vocal defender of the ACC um, and especially a vocal defender of Hunter's house. Um, You know, I was going through some stuff and I remember you had him on your second team, all portal, all transfer team. Uh, This isn't meant to be like a, Oh no, he needs to be a first team. But I think, that was probably about right for where he was, but I think that was back in on January. So it was kind of really before what we've seen, you know, what have you seen out of, you know, the Gonzaga transfer since he's gotten to Winston-Salem? Man, he just looks like a different person, you know, and I'm excited. I, I got to talk with him for a story. I talked with his mom and that story will come out this week and it's going to be, I think it's going to be really cool. And it's, he just looks so free. And like last year you saw him like thinking on the floor at Gonzaga. And, and I think a lot of people out of high school really liked what he could do on the defensive end. And there are still some questions about like how much he can be like, can he get to his jumper? And now that jumper, that was a big question mark throughout high school and two years uh, at Gonzaga is now like a huge strength. And right. that's, I, I, that's why college basketball is such an awesome sport because we can see guys like they transform right before our very eyes. Like the person that you think they might be able to become, they become that. And he's been super locked in. Like, I think he's one of the better cutters too in college basketball too. Just like his ability to move without the basketball. And I talked to him about it. He learned that at Gonzaga. So this whole experience at Gonzaga, (laughs) this huge negative, he learned how to be this type of player at Gonzaga, be that like the thing. And so I I view it as like, he learned how to be a role player at Gonzaga and Wake Forest has given him the opportunity to be a star. And he's really meshed those two things together really, really nicely. And yeah, that midseason all transfer team, he was a second team guy with consideration to be a first team guy. I think if we revisit that toward the end of the year, I mean, it's hard not to find five or six more transfers that have been more impactful. Like it's Dalton Connect. And oh, then it's so good. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> but it's Dalton Connect. And then I think you could throw Hunter South in that mix, you know, maybe on a little bit lesser sentence because Tennessee is like a legit national title contender. Right. But I think Connect is as valuable to Tennessee as Salas is to Wake Forest. And that's pretty impressive. That's that's insanely high bar. I mean, if you haven't had a chance to watch like them or even like a Cam Spencer at UConn, like this is that that's not easy to do for any of them. You know, no, get, before <laughs> Yeah, no, it's like no, it's like it's it's hard because you see all these guys, it's like, oh well, 
you know, uh, Alondis Williams went to uh, went to Wake Forest and it worked out great. And Ty Appleby went to Wake Forest and it's going to work great. Great. So Honor Salas is going to come into Wake Forest and it'll definitely work great. Like that's not how this all works. Like this no. sport, like <laughs> doesn't work that way. Like you still, it still has to have a little bit of luck and everything has to go the right way. And so it's cool to see. I think Hunter Salas is a great dude. You know, just getting to know him a little bit, like in the talking with him and his family, he is a great person. I he, I think he really genuinely. Uh, he's earned this moment and it's cool. And, you know, you know, you hear what Steve Forbes wanted him to be and they had the vision of what they had for him and it's cool. And it's coming to fruition and, you know, against Duke on Saturday, I mean, he was the best player on the floor. Like he could do no wrong. And I, I understand Duke didn't guard him very well at times, <laughs> a little bit wide open, but he made them pay for those sins. Didn't he? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, they had McCain on him for probably a little longer than they probably should have, but I mean, even Proctor and Roach didn't fare too much better you know before we get into the duke game because there's obviously so much that happened allegedly that happened in this game you know you mentioned alondis williams ty appleby you know it, it felt kind of not like it was going to happen again with with hunter salas even though i was like well he might do it but i feel like it was a little bit easier to project those guys taking a jump with alondis and ty because they have been in college for what five years each hunter you know this is his third year and you know he while he was a role player he wasn't really he wasn't this obviously does that give Forbes a little bit more ammo when it comes to next season? You know, we, Hunter Salas has the opportunity to come back, but I mean, if he keeps playing like this, it's hard. He's going to be someone that's going to blow up in the combine. Like he's, he's got all of that, all the tools there, but does that make it a little bit easier to kind of sell someone like now it's not just a grad transfer. It's I can, I can be a, the rehab program almost. It is. Yeah. It's, it's like you come to Wake Forest and you can become the player that you want to be and the player that you thought you might be and Wake Forest can give you that opportunity. So I completely agree with you. You know, we've, I have my joke about Steve Forbes is calling him the transfer portal whisperer, like his bag here, his list of <laughs> wins in the portal is growing pretty long. Jake Laravia, right. Throw him in there too as another big time one. And I think even Boopy Miller, even though some of the times yeah. he's not necessarily, he's not, he's not Wake Forest best player. He's not their second best player, but I think overall he's been a hit for the most part out right. of the portal. And you, you go into the, you know, like, I think it's what's interesting is Steve Forbes doesn't necessarily just look at what a guy has done in college. He also looks at what they were in high school and is like, right. how can I find that guy again? Like, how can I find that person again? And in, in high school, Hunter Salas had some juice. It could really go. He didn't show that at Gonzaga, but I, I thought it was interesting that Steve Forbes saw that juice in high school and goes, I can unleash that guy. And it's worked. And you know, yeah. Can you go into the portal and be big game hunters? Absolutely. You get your NIL right, which Wake Forest is clearly trying to do. And you have all of this experience and sells and and huge, huge wins year after year after year, cycle after cycle after cycle. I, I think people are going to be doing their homework on Wake and they're going to like what they see. You know, when you dig beneath, beneath the surface, they're going to really like it. You know, I, I always kind of see Forbes as a very, very rela relationships driven guy. Like he's someone that you're just like, he could be my best friend. What's kind of the word on him in sort of like coaching circles? Is it more of like, he's just someone that can just kind of put things together relationship wise? Is it X's and O's, a combination? Like what's, what's kind of just been you know, the word on him behind the scenes? Yeah. The, the, everybody I talk to goes, Wake Forest needs to make sure they keep him. Like you got to keep that, a guy like that. And I, I think, you know, I think his offensive scheme is really interesting. I think their defensive scheme is also super interesting with how like they've been willing to adjust playing er like early in the year. It was like that deep drop coverage with Ethan Reed late in the year. They're really blitzing more ball screens. Like I think he should get a little bit more credit for what he's done defensively. So I think the X's and O's are there. Are there. People obviously talk about him in the portal, but he's just a good dude too. I think he has a really good reputation throughout coaching circles. Uh, I remember 
one little anecdote when he was at East Tennessee state, like he looked at um, the star from grand Canyon. Now tie on grant Foster. Okay. He, him, right. And, and he called Kansas was like, you need to recruit this dude. Like <laughs> This is the guy you need to recruit. And so like, that's pretty cool. Like those little anecdotes about him, like, it's hard to find people that talk bad about him, but offensively and defensively too, I think his exodos are right up there and you can question some of the substitution patterns, I guess at, at different points. But for the most part, I think it's pretty clear that Steve Forbes has asserted of himself as, you know, one of the best coaches in college basketball. I think he's, I I'm lucky to have him. I, I, he's been a great interview. He's been, obviously I got to wake when they were bad in 2014, <laughs> you know, so it's been a long ride there. You know, turning the page to Duke on Saturday. I mean, I think Hunter was definitely the story there, but you had performances from a guy like Cam Hildreth, who's playing with a bust wrist, Andrew Carr, who has been one of the, I'm driving the Andrew Carr bus as far as it possibly can. I think he is an all-ACC player. You know, from your eyes, you know, what did you see from that performance on Saturday? I think the biggest thing that stood out to me is that Wake got to play the lineup it wanted the most. Uh, Efton Reed, Andrew Carr, and then the three guards, right? Boopy Miller, Cam Hildreth, and and Hunter Salas, obviously, they played, I was looking at it on CBB Analytics before this, they played 22 minutes and 32 seconds together. That was the most that they've played all year, except for the Virginia game. So, <laughs> and they were plus 14 with those guys on the floor. So like at that Virginia game, when they played 23 minutes and 57 seconds was one of Wake's arguably best performances right. of the season. They just were phenomenal. And then this one too, like getting to play that lineup, it sounds, it sounds so like, you know, first grade, <laughs> but it really is the truth. Like getting, keeping Efton Reed out of foul trouble and getting him on the floor, I thought was just a game changer. Just being able to keep him on the floor changed how they were able to guard him. And I thought Duke played well. Yeah. I thought like did, I mean, Tyrese Proctor had some big time shots. Now, granted, it's hard to say a team played well when they turned it over five times in the final five minutes. But for the most part, I thought, I thought Wake Forest took a punch from Duke. And the fact that they were able to play that starting lineup that many minutes, 22 minutes, if they can get that every night here on out, that's a really, really dangerous team. I thought McCain shot like 80% from three. Like when I looked at it and I saw he was, I think it was like three for five or four for five. I was like, okay, that felt a lot better than it. I thought he was like six for seven, seven for eight. He felt like a a onslaught from him. (laughs) That dude is a stud. And then Proctor hit four threes too. Like if you told Duke that you're going to get three threes from McCain and four from Proctor, probably think you win. And yeah. so, like, the fact that Wake was able to grind that out, I thought said a ton. That, I think that's something I've – because on the other side from Wake, you know, Damari Monsanto only played six minutes. Parker Friedrichson only played 14. Neither of them made a shot. And so I think if you put those four things together, I thought, you know, Duke probably wins that game by 20. And it's just – do you think that gives you a little bit more confidence in, like, this team moving forward? You know, they finally have gotten, like, a monkey off of their back in terms of, like, a massive win? Or do you think there's still some things on the road they might need to prove kind of later on down the stretch? Yeah, I th- I – I'm still in like wait and see mode with this group. I I've loved this team. Like I love the idea of what Wake Forest could be. And I've, I've talked about it from the beginning before they got Efton Reed eligible. Like I love this team. I thought this was a top five team in the league. And even that was short selling them. Cause they're, they're, they're not just a top five team. I think they have a chance to be maybe the third best team in the league. And so it's like, I, I just needed a proof of concept win against a really good team. And this was finally the moment where it's like, okay, you kind of got your proof of concept. Like, yeah, when you get your five starters and you get to play them for 22 minutes, you're really good. And like, you have a chance to be a really, really special team. And I, I still have some questions about their half court offense at times. You know, the one thing, the one stat I keep going back to is their rim rate. 
Yeah. They're, they shoot just 31% of their shots at the rim. Now that's one of the lower marks in college basketball. You can win that way. Like we've seen teams uh, like Houston has the lowest of any high major team you're able to win. But I think it's just a little bit tougher when you're playing jump shot roulette a lot. Now it's a good problem to have when you have a lot of good jump, jump <laughs> that Wake Forest does have. And that's where Reed is so valuable. Like we talk about him defensively, but his on off splits offensively are huge. Like against top 100 teams, Efton Reed on the floor, Wake's offensive rating is 117. Off the floor, it's 106. That's an 11-point gap, and that is because he is really their best post-up weapon, right? Like Andrew Carr can do it at times too, but just that last ability to add just a little bit more rim pressure from Reed and, and be able to take care of one-on-one coverage at times when he gets good matchups, I think really brings this group together. And you know, Saturday against Duke was a proof-of-concept win, and now we can finally stop talking about the bubble, hopefully. <laughs> and just talk about what Wake is as a basketball team. Like, I, I'm not a bracketologist. I don't love the bracket. I, I, whatever. Like, Stay I'm, in your lane. <laughs> I just – I like watching basketball, and I know that Wake is one of the better teams in the country, and they have a chance to really make some noise in March if they can keep this group together. No, I, I obviously right for Wake. I, I definitely agree with that. But I think it's, and I think that's what kind of bothers me more so about you know the events that happened after the game was like we said. I thought that was a tournament level team, not an ACC level like tournament team, like an NCAA tournament game between Duke and Wake. And I think that got really, really overshadowed by the ending of it, uh, which was definitely chaotic. And I think things could have been handled differently. What was kind of your thought process when you when you saw everything? Yeah, it sucked. Right, you just it. You didn't want that to happen. You know, you hope Kyle Filipowski is healthy. Um, it's great for the sport to have a player like him healthy. I think he'll end up being okay, which is a good sign. You know, I, I like court stormings. I think they're fun. <laughs> I think they're exciting. You know, I thought it was I, – I, I think it makes college basketball different. Could we find a way to potentially make it a little bit safer? What do those guardrails look like so we can make that a little bit safer? Absolutely, and I'm I'm all for that. But yeah, I, I, I really genuinely think like the whole like, hey, what's wake on the bubble like those segments during the game and then like, oh, what does it mean like the court storming stuff really overshadowed like, hey, wake just beat a really good team who played a really good game and Duke is an awesome team who I think we should, you know, legitimately buy stock in as a potential final four contender and wake beat them when they played well. Now right. that's. That's saying something. And you have to build off of this, too. We've seen letdown spots happen like crazy. Like Tuesday, sleepy road game against Notre Dame. That's a really well-coached team. They're not talented. Wake has five the five best players on the floor, right? right. When, when okay. Almost at all times. But Micah Shrewsbury is an amazing basketball coach. And those guys will be ready to go. And you got to keep going. And you just can't – you can't avoid any pitfalls. And if this – if Wake keeps the train on the tracks, this is a tournament team – and I would not be want to be a one seed seeing them as a nine. <laughs> I would not want to be a one seed at all. The the monkey on the people want to get off Wicks back right now, I think is having a nice shiny little number next to their name in, in the AP poll. Do you think, you know, does it, is it two games they need to win in a row? Is it three? What do you think needs to happen for them to kind of break through that wall? Yeah. I mean, I think if you beat Notre Dame, you beat Virginia Tech. We could talk about it next week, right? Go on the road, win those two games. That's four games in a row. And you're probably one of those top teams in the country. And you know, AP, the AP poll <laughs> is just a complete disaster every week. You know, I, what is more pointless? 
Joe Lenardi's uh, bracketology or the AP poll. I legitimately don't know. It's 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 hilarious. Cranky, okay. We're just cranky. <laughs> I know, but like, but at times, at times, it's cool to see your name next to it. I totally get it. It's under. It's fun to look at the little buzz at the bottom. It's like top twenty five teams, and there's Wake Forest right there. Or you're on Sports Center, and they Wake Forest highlights are up because your your name is you know twenty third in the country. But yeah, I think if you if you beat Notre Dame, you beat Virginia Tech, you beat um, Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech. You go into next week at 20 and nine. I think that's probably a good spot for Wake to get get back in the AP top 25. I think this has been awesome. I guess the final thing I kind of have right now is what do you think is next for Wake Forest? You know, Barney, what's a what's kind of a success for the season? And then, you know, what does that mean for them moving forward? Yeah, I think it's all about, you know, I think that this group is capable to make a run. Now, have they put themselves in position to get a seed where it's highly likely that they'll go on a run? Maybe not. Like if they're a nine seed, that's tough to really advance out of it. We've seen it. There's some outliers, right? You've seen like Florida Atlantic was in that eight, nine spot and they go on a run, but you need some help and you need some things to go right for you. So I, I wouldn't put a situation as like, I think them making the NCAA tournament is an automatic win. And if they win a game, that's a really good year. And if they made it to the sweet 16, obviously huge success, but you know, I've already, I mean, the NCAA tournament is the most random event we have in sports <laughs> really shouldn't judge people off of it. So like if they, Say they get the 8-9 draw. All right, let me pull up who I had. Uh, they get an 8-9 draw. Let's say they play Oklahoma or oh. Gonzaga. Those are not – those are tough games. Like, yes. you see the first-round game and whatever. It is what it is. Making the tournaments is a success. And then I look at this roster. Like, you could potentially look at really running it back with a lot right. of these guys. And maybe you can go into the portal and be pretty picky. You don't necessarily need to go big game hunting as as much. Maybe you get your Hunter Salas replacement, but this roster is set up to be pretty. You see, I've had a lot of have a lot of guys coming back, and yes, Salas would be a huge loss if he ends up going to the NBA. But you could start to look at this group as like a legit ACC contender again next year, and that's where it's a sign of like a, this program and its growth. And we just can't really lose sight of like where it was a few years ago compared to what we're talking about now. And if you can get a lot of these newcomers back, you know, it's, you know, the portal is fun and getting guys, newcomers are fun. And I understand it's cool to think about, Hey, what can this guy (laughs) do in this stats? But retention is everything. And the best teams in college basketball retain their best players. And if Wake Forest can go into the, into next year with a lot of these similar faces on it, I think you could really talk yourself into Wake Forest as being a legitimate ACC contender. And that's, that's just a, an amazing sentence compared to what this program was, you know, oh, just two years ago. Absolutely. I thought that was my last question, but you brought the retention thing to my mind because I know in college football, and that's kind of more of my bag, you know, retention has been where things have really shifted to like the next this year and really moving forward. Do you get that sense in college basketball now? Because I felt like the last few years, it's been a go get whoever you possibly can, but you think it's kind of more shifting towards a, we got to hold on for dear life right now. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, And let's look at the top teams, right, in college basketball. So UConn, yes, Cam Spencer was great, but them getting Donovan Klingon back was a huge thing. Tristan Newton for a second year. You know, I've, I've been really pounding the drum about those year two transfers. Like, you get them for one year, that's great. But that second year, they can really t- take another jump. Like, Boopy Miller could be a really good player for next year in, in what you have. But uh, I, got, I got sidetracked. Purdue, they got <laughs> Zach Eady back. They get Braden Smith back. Arizona. They got Umar Balo back. They got um, uh, Kylan Boswell back, right? Houston, they were able to get LJ Cryer back. So, like, all of those teams, um, Auburn, Janai Broom, they got him back from the NBA. You know, Tennessee has retained a bunch of guys. So, it's like, it's like that, it feels like the recipe is, like, retain a really great core, maybe go in the portal and be a little bit, 
you know, sw- you can swing it around a little bit and go get a stud, but that finding one or two pieces to fit into your already, you know, pre-made group, I think is that's the recipe to win a national championship for me. You know, I, I just don't think we're going to see a time where, you know, we have five transfers all, <laughs> and all five starting five transfers winning the national title. That just isn't it. Getting, getting that retention is going to be huge. And, you know, we've talked a lot about it in, in the college football circles, you hear like paying in the portal, using like your NIL money to pay your returners and how much you use of like your budget to pay returners. I think that's the same thing in college basketball is using your NIL to pay those returners or bump that and, and ways you can to get those guys back. That's, that's really, really going to be huge moving forward, both now. And, you know, even, even in a couple of years when, you know, the COVID seniors are gone and maybe there's a little bit less, you know, high quality players in the portal. Cause I think we have one more cycle of like really, really good players in the portal. And then it might dial down just a bit after that COVID seniors um, aren't eligible to hit the portal. Right. This was awesome. Uh, Isaac, where can the Wake Forest fans that I know are going to absolutely love you after this interview, where can they find you at? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Isaac double underscore Trotter. Someone stole my first underscore. Uh, <laughs> and that's where I'm at on Twitter. And then uh, most of my stuff just goes on 247sports.com. You can read most of my work there. That's where basically everything goes. And then we obviously uh, we try to get it on our awesome team sites. And Wake Forest is one of our better team sites, too. So we try to plug those as well when we can. So that that's where that's the easiest spot to find my stuff. Isaac, thank you so much for this. As always, go Deeks. <laughs>